good evening, church family. Uh, you may be seated. I'm so glad to get the opportunity to spend Christmas Eve with you all. Uh, tonight, we remember the birth of the greatest person who ever walked the face of the earth. Tonight, we remember his advent. Advent, a word which means visitation, coming. To celebrate Christmas is to celebrate the visitation of Jesus Christ. It's to celebrate the historical fact of Christ's birth. Uh, did you know in the first century, no less than four non-Christian historians like Tacitus, Suetonius, Josephus, and Rabbi Eleazar wrote about the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus is no myth. His life is grounded in history. But tonight, we celebrate not merely the fact of Christ's birth. What we celebrate is why he came. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, refers to Jesus as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. That is to say, Jesus Christ existed before he was made man. The glory of Christmas is that it is not the beginning of Christ. Christmas is the great work of God to heal this broken world. And I don't have to convince anyone here that this world is broken. There's something wrong with this world. From terrorism to racism to economic uncertainty to wars and rumors of wars, this world is broken. This world needs healing. This world is dark. This world dwells in the land of deep darkness. But Christmas declares that darkness will not have the last word. The light shines and the darkness has not overcome it. That's why we're here tonight, to celebrate the flooding of light upon this world. Shall we pray? O oh Lord, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, O oh Prince of Peace, send your light on this dark and weary world. Send your spirit to lighten this heavy world. Send your love to give light to our hearts. We pray in your name. Amen. My weary world, our weary world, sometimes it just does not, will not, can not rejoice. It whimpers, it sobs, it rages against the darkness of the night and does not go gently there. With a serpentine hiss, with a threat, with suspicion, cynicism, anxiety, grieving. Oh, this weary world. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Do you ever feel it is not where you belong? Maybe those angels on the wing whispered to each other those same words. It's not where he belongs. While to us, they shouted, rejoice, rejoice, glad tidings, great joy, fear not. 
But here we are on this muddy sphere where there is a blinding flash that is not a guiding star. The shape of God's creation is outlined on a sidewalk. Another payment to the counselor's office. And somewhere, a father holds his baby. The refrain, last time, last time, surely tolls in his drowning heart. And a mama weeps for her cruel, lost son. And I go to bed, wide awake again, with my worry or my anger. Most definitely not a guiding star, that flash. But something has led us here tonight, hasn't it? Someone has whispered in our hearts, Veni, Veni, come. I am with you. Amidst the hashtags and the YouTubes, in the dark, in the stink, in the pain of human birthing, there comes this baby. And what do we do with this baby? What do you do with this baby? An incarnation, Emmanuel, God and sinners reconciled, the thrill of hope, weary world, Isaiah said, the government will rest on his shoulders, not on those of a politico or a party or a king. He is a wonderful counselor, the source of truth, and finally, grace-filled justice, deeply knowing our every secret, our every secret place. And he is mighty God, not a wee babe waving a tiny fist in a straw, but a force who stills raging water and stones with a word and a gesture in the sand, who lets a boy defeat a giant with a sling and who tumbles walls with a trumpet blast, the everlasting father who birthed a nation like stars in the laughter of Sarah and a savior in the womb of a virgin girl to be our prince of peace. This world, it's now and has always been weary, broken, exhausted. My heart, your heart, it's the same. But he comes. He Our atmosphere fills his lungs. He feels our blisters on his palms. He walks among our clamoring throng. He knows loud laughter and silent tears and muscle ache. He knows what it means to be us, every one of us. A manger in a cave, a temptation on a cliff, a cross on a hill. It is finished for me, for you, for them. Even in the dark, his light shines. Don't forget it. Emmanuel, God is with us. Oh, weary world, behold, 
pay attention. Rejoice. Yonder breaks a new and glorious morning. He comes. And the captives? We are free. We are free. Oh, come, let us adore him. For he is Christ, our Lord.
This world is broken, but it wasn't meant to be this way. God's vision from the beginning of creation was a world free from sin and brokenness and strife and division. God's vision for the world is a world of shalom, peace. To enjoy shalom is to enjoy who God is and who I am and where I am and those with whom God has put me. To enjoy shalom is to enjoy harmony with God and with this world and with my family and with my friends and with myself. Shalom. Can you imagine such a place, a place where you can give and receive love, where you feel safe, where you feel visible, where you feel that others are for you, where you can support and feel supported, where you can hear and be heard, where you can enjoy diversity as God intends it, racial, generational, intellectual, artistic, true differences bound in true peace. Can you picture a place where you can believe the best of others, where you don't have to be suspicious, where you don't have to prove yourself to anyone, where you don't have to feel tense and nervous and fidgety around anyone, where you don't have to worry about how people would respond if they knew the real you. A safe place, a place called shalom. Well, shalom is God's plan. A plan of total unity, total harmony, total peace. We were made for this. Created to be at peace with our creator. To actually call him more than just creator, but father. The promise of Christmas is that our God and father is at work. Repairing and restoring shalom. Peace. Christmas is the work of God to bring good news to the poor, to bind the brokenhearted, to open prison doors and free the captives, to proclaim the favor of the Lord, to comfort those who mourn, to give them gladness, to give them peace. Jesus is our peace. He himself, our peace.
Jesus was born into a world of unpeace, a gritty world, a broken world. He was born to an unwed mother. He was born in an animal shelter. He was born and the first witnesses were anonymous shepherds, nameless commoners, and unexceptional laborers who worked day in and day out for unexceptional wages. He was born to suffer. And one of the reasons why I'm a Christian is that while God does not always explain why we suffer, He does not stay away from suffering Himself. He took His own medicine by entering into the mess of life. The birth of the Savior of the world could have come to pass in any number of ways, but God in His infinite wisdom chose this couple for this night in this shelter. This boy, the angel had told them, would be heir to David's throne. He would be their wonderful counselor, their mighty God, their everlasting father, their prince of peace. The government would be upon his shoulders. But there was nothing particularly complex or regal about this moment in the stable outside Bethlehem. There were no heralds in the streets announcing the birth of a king. By all appearances, it was a humble, simple affair, seemingly unconnected to everything else going on in David's town that night. But it was not inconsequential. It was the most significant moment in the history of the world. There on the edge of Bethlehem, a child was born, a son given, and the zeal of the Lord Almighty accomplished this. Our Advent reading for Christmas Eve is Matthew 1, 18 through 25, and Luke 2, 1 through 7. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When, Jesus, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his, home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This is God's word.
There was nothing special about uh, my childhood, neither good nor bad. I was heavy, I had buck teeth and talked with a lisp. So I, I was an insecure kid, always trying to please those around me and afraid of messing up. One of my biggest fears was making a mistake and making God angry at me. I didn't know how he could love a mess like me. I was less than perfect. This was kind of my thinking and my insecurities lasted until I was nearly, nearly through high school. And that's when I found alcohol and liked it. It was a great equalizer. People liked me when I was drinking and I didn't care too much about what I thought were my defects. Shortly after high school, I joined the Navy to avoid the draft. And when I was 19, I married my girlfriend from high school. At 20, we had a baby, and by the time I was 21, we were divorced. I blamed God and hated him for it. I thought he did this on purpose to punish me. Like I thought he didn't love me, and I turned my back on God, and that's when my troubles began. And for the next 11 years, I was drunk nearly every day. I'm not going to list them all, but needless to say, my sins were many. I'd sworn off women, but about six years after the divorce, I met a young lady and was instantly attracted to her. Kathy and I were married in 1980. Our son Ryan was born in 81, and daughter Carrie was born in 82. So with two kids, three cats, one dog, you'd think life would be beautiful. But by this time, I'd been drinking so long and so much that I couldn't quit and I was starting to have frequent blackouts. I tried many times to quit, but my life was out of control. I don't know if I hit bottom or just got tired of digging, but in March of 84, after a blackout, when I came to my senses, I was sitting in my backyard staring at the fence and I just gave up. I cried long and hard and told God I couldn't go on like this but I couldn't quit without him. I didn't know it then, but I had taken the first steps on the road to recovery. I spent 28 days in rehab, and I wish I could tell you that it was an easy road, but it hasn't always been. And now I know that it wasn't without a purpose. And I wanna tell you where my hope and strength come from, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's the reason I like Christmas. I know without a doubt there's a God in heaven and he loves me. And he loves me just the way I am. I don't understand it and I don't know how anyone could love me so much, especially after all the mistakes and the bad choices that I've made and turning my back on him. But he's the God of grace and mercy and he proved it when he gave up his son for me. So the birth of the baby Jesus is the beginning of hope for me. I can never go back and undo the things that I've done in the past. And there's nothing I can do with the time that I have left on earth that will change God's love for me. What I can do is share the unfailing love of Jesus with others. Jesus died for me, for us, and I've never been able to totally grasp that fact a love so deep that he would give up his life. And I want to share that love with others. I want others to know 
that they are loved and their past is just their past and they need to leave it behind. You put your trust in Jesus. He'll help carry you when you feel like you can't go on. So when I think about Christmas and the birth of Jesus, I don't dwell on Jesus, the child, so much as I think about Jesus, the man who suffered and died for me. And someday I want to meet him face to face. We do too, don't we? Um, I'm so grateful to Terry Hickman for making himself vulnerable and sharing his story. And our church is for people like Terry because everyone here has a story. Everyone. What's your story? Maybe you're wondering, well, could Jesus do that for me? Am I too far gone? Am I past the point of no return? Terry's life is a witness to the power of Jesus to save. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation for all who believe. And Christ's work in Terry's life is Terry's witness about him and yours as well. Your witness may involve persuasive words. It may include acts of kindness and mercy, uh, maybe friendships, selfless service, some even witnessed by the giving of their own lives. When you witness to the life of Christ, you never witness alone. Rather, you join a multitude of people who throughout history have witnessed the power of Christ's life. As the apostles in the book of Acts once said, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And what did they see and what did they hear? They saw God appear in a body to suffer with us and for us. And no other religion believes that God became so vulnerable. No other faith teaches that God became breakable, that God appeared in a body. In communion, we witness the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. In communion, we confess that Christ wins our salvation through losing. He achieves power through weakness and service. And he comes to wealth through giving all away. Those who receive this salvation are those who are not strong and accomplished, but those who are humble enough to admit that they are weak and vulnerable and needy. Christmas is the message that we could never reach heaven on our own. We can never come to God. Christmas celebrates the fact that God has come to us. He entered our space into our frail humanity, surrounded by our sin, to rescue us. He came. He became one of us. God sent God. The Father gave His own Son for us and for our salvation. Amen.
child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. mean estate where oxen and ass are feeding good Christians fear for sinners here the silent word is pleading spear shall pierce him through the cross be born for me Son of Mary. So bring him in, sends sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the baby, the son of Mary. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Son of Mary.
Psalm 98 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. He will judge the world with righteousness and peoples with equity. Psalm 98 is the scripture upon which is based the hymn, Joy to the World. We're going to be singing that song in just a moment. But as we sing this hymn, keep in mind that Joy to the World tells nothing in the lyrics about shepherds, wise men, angels, a manger, or anything associated with the Christmas story. You see, Joy to the World is not about Christ's first coming. It's about His second coming. You see, in this season of Advent, this season of visitation and coming and appearing, it's not just about Christ's first visitation, but His second He came first in humility. He will come again in victory. He came first to a small city in a small province of a major empire. He will come again and every empire will behold him. He came first as the prince of peace. He will come again as the king of kings. Christmas isn't Christmas if we see only Christ the babe. Christmas is Christmas because Christ, our humble Savior, is also Christ, our victorious King. The King who destroyed the work of the devil by his own death on the cross. The King whose own right hand and holy arm have worked salvation. The King who makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Church family, joy to the world. The Lord is come. Amen. Why don't you stand as we sing this? Let earth receive. 
we're so glad that you've been with us tonight. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas. If this is your first time here, and if you want to talk to somebody about what it means to live life with Jesus, or if you're just looking to get connected to the church body, we would love to meet with you. Randy and a great team of volunteers will be in the fireside room after the service, which is just to the right as you leave. Um, and if we can help you at all, if you want to talk about anything, pray about anything, um, or just meet some people, we'd love to meet you in there. Thanks for being with us, and have a very Merry Christmas.